This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. But we're going to be talking about the power of a fence. Now, I'm not talking like the fence you climb over. I'm talking a fence, O-F-F-E-N-S-E, a fence, not a F-E-N-C-E. Not, you're with me, you're tracking, right? All right. So Matthew chapter 24, verse 10, verse thir- uh, through 13, it says, And then many will be offended. Notice that word many. Say many. many. Now when you see the word many, many means the majority. So at least 51% will be offended. Now are, you're, you're here to learn tonight, right? We're here to learn. You're, you're expecting you're going to give me your best. You're going to expect to hear God no matter what you're going through, correct? Amen. It says, and many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. In Luke 17, verse 1, it says, many offenses will come. So it lets us know that we're going to have lots of opportunity to be offended. Anybody ever had opportunity to be offended in here? Yeah, if you're breathing, you've had opportunity to be offended, right? So let's look at the progression here just real quickly. I'm just going to do a touch and go here with Matthew 24. Then we're going to move on to Hebrews chapter 12. But notice he says, then many will be offended. Say many. Many. But then he lays out the progression of this. It says, we'll betray one another. So whenever offense sets in, then a person will betray one another. Now, skip down a little bit, and he's talking about when he says the love of many will grow cold, that's the, that's the heartbeat of the enemy to get the love of God's people to grow cold. Notice the word grow is an instant. It's a process. So he says, okay, what's going to happen is many people are going to have the opportunity to be offended. It says, but then betrayal will set in, and betrayal means like I'm going to protect me at your expense. Because see, offense wants to protect, protect, protect. I've been hurt, so I'm going to protect. Where love gives, gives, gives. He says, okay, many will be offended. And the next step, when a person is offended, he says, then, then betrayal begins to set in. And then they will hate one another. The word hate there in the Greek paints the picture of like a vacuum that has nothing in it. It says that we will be like people. When, when hate sets in, we think of hate with emotion. But hate can have emotion and hate can have no emotion. A person can be emotionless and still have hate on the inside of them. And he goes on to say, and many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Now, when people hear false prophets, most of the time they're looking for preachers. But in Matthew 7, Jesus said that the false prophets will come in sheep's clothing. Not in shepherd's clothing. Now, there there will be some of that, but but, but most of the time people's focus is on the shepherds. And he says, but the deception is going to come from people being wrapped up in sheep's clothing, but they're ravenous wolves on the inside. And so... He says a false prophet, what, what happens is, is they want to isolate people 
Because there's protection in the herd. Right? And he refers to us as sheep. And so if individuals can rise up trying that now, now this is an offended person. A false prophet is an offended person. They are a deceived person. And he goes on, a false prophet will rise up and deceive many. Well, the reason they deceive many is because they're deceived. Are you with me? How does a person get deceived? James chapter 1, verses 21 through 25, it says, When we hear the word, now please hear this, when we hear the word and we don't do the word, we deceive our own selves. That's why it's very important that when we show up here, we're giving it our all. We're not just sitting here listening with the flaps on the side of our head, but we're coming to hear the word and we're going to do the word. Because James also tells us that it's only the doers of the word of God that are blessed in their doing. So, Am I doing what I know to do? With all the knowledge we have, with our phones, with the internet, with all the books, with all the CDs, with all the teaching, everything that we have, am I doing what I know to do with what I have? So he says, he says many will offend, be offended, betrayal sets in, hate sets in, uh, deception sets in, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness comes from a Greek word, anomia, which means to not obey the word of God or the will of God or obey the authority of God. So it says because a person gets offended, these things begin to happen because lawlessness will abound. In this society, I'm not even talking in the church for the moment. We can talk in the church. But in this society, are most people obeying the word of God? Are most people applying the word of God? Are most people submitting to the authority of God? No, because we're in America. We feel like we have a right and a vote about everything. And he says, because of this, lawlessness will abound. This lawlessness is so rampant in our culture and it's so rapid in churches. He says, eventually what happens is a person's love for God grows cold. Now, we know he's talking about his children because the word love there is the word agape. And the word love in the Bible, there's four different loves. There's storge, there's phileo, there's eros in the Greek, and then there's agape. Everybody has storge, everybody has phileo, everybody has eros. It, it means a sexual kind of love between a husband and wife. It means uh, the, the storge is like an awe of a, of a hero or something like that. Phileo is a brotherly type of love. But agape, only the children of God have agape, the love of God placed on the inside of us. When we ask Jesus to come into our heart, to be our Lord and Savior, then we have the love of God is part of our reborn, recreated spirit. It's in our nature. So he says, the enemy's goal is to get your love for God and your love for people to grow cold. Are you with me? He says, many offenses will come. Now go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Now remember he said, those who endure to the end, they'll be saved. Those who endure to the end will be saved. Uh, can one of you guys go to the front desk, see if they can turn the air up just a little bit, please? I know it was hanging meat earlier in here, and now it's cooking biscuits. So... <laughs> <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. Now look at this. He who endures to the end shall be saved. So notice the enemy's motive is to get our love to grow cold. Notice the heartbeat of God is that we endure to the end. The word saved doesn't mean just going to heaven. The word saved means wholeness. The word saved means provided for. The word saved means delivered. The word saved means completeness of life in every area. Those who endure to the end will be saved. Those who endure to the end will experience all that God has for them. 
Are you with me? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, it is the hall of faith, right? And then it goes into Hebrews chapter 12, and he says, Now, we have this, this cloud of witnesses that is surrounding us, and they're cheering us on. Why? Because they want us to run our race of faith. Say a race of faith. When we get born again, we receive the life of God on the inside of us. Romans 12, 3 says, Every one of us are dealt the measure of faith. Then we're told to live by faith. Are you with me? Then we're told to walk by faith. Then we're told we overcome by faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says it's impossible to please God without faith. So this race is a race of faith. And it says that the heroes of faith are cheering us on so we run our race with endurance. Remember, those who endure till the end shall be saved. He says, now in this race... I want each of you to learn to throw off the things that trip you up. Why? Because the enemy wants to trip us up. He doesn't want us to run our race with endurance. He doesn't want us to cross the finish line. He doesn't want us to complete our assignment to live a victorious life, to know God, to be the best us we can be. But these heroes of faith are cheering us on saying, run your race with endurance and don't get tripped up. Look at the definition of the word Offense. It's, it's there on your, your notes, but I just want to read it to you. It comes from a Greek word, scandalizo, and it's where we get our word scandal from. This is the word offend. So think, think with me. We get our word scandal from, it means to entrap or to trip up. This word paints the picture. I don't know, guys, maybe girls did this also, but I remember as a little boy... I would try to catch a rabbit or a squirrel, really anything that would get in this little thing. And I would build these, Jerry, maybe you remember this, I'd build these little, I'd put up a box right here and you'd have a stick that goes underneath the box. You remember that? And then you'd stick some bait or something underneath the box right there. And whenever it would mess with the bait, what would happen? It'd hit the stick and it would catch the varmint. Am I the only one that ever did that? Okay, come on. Some of you, are, you know what I'm talking about. That's what the word offense does. So it's saying when a person is offended, God wants us to run our race. But when offense comes, we get to playing with the trip stick. And if we play with the trip stick long enough, we get caught. Because the enemy wants our love to grow cold. The enemy wants to entrap us where God wants us to run our race with freedom. God wants us to be everything He's called and created us to be. And we can start out, I mean, Cliff could start out running the race together, and he's staying focused on the author, the developer, the finisher of his faith, who is Jesus. But if I get to playing with somebody says something that hurts my feeling or an issue comes up, and I start playing with the trip stick, and I get snapped, and he keeps running his race... And I get mad at him because he's going on and he's walking in the things of God. The only way that he can come back to where I am is if he gets offended right along with me. So a lot of times people get upset when you're going on and growing in our relationship with God. They want us to come back and be offended with them. 
my great granddad, he used to have this, this bear trap. It was an old rusty thing. I can still see it. And it had these teeth. And we'd, I mean, this thing, if you stuck a foot or an arm or something in it, snap! I mean, it was, that thing would gnaw your arm. <laughs> and that's what offense does. When a person stays in offense, it irritates them and annoys them and frustrates them to the point that they get mad because they are offended. Think about the word offended. Off, off, ended. You get offended, you get off the process, and you end the process of what God wants to do in your life. Offended, say not me. Not me. Now, go with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 13. Now remember, God is wanting us to run our race. The enemy's wanting to trip us up. Say, not me. Matthew 13, verses 3 through 9. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. Now that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm sowing the word of God. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Now, in this parable, he goes on and he talks about, okay, he has a wayside, he has a stony. He said, then there's the, there's the weedy soil. He says, and this is where the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, enter in and choke the Word of God. He says, but the fourth type of soil is the one who receives the Word of God, welcomes the Word of God. It's good soil, and it's going to produce 30, 60, 100-fold return on the seed that's planted in it. Are you with me? But let's, let's, let's talk about the first two groups, because we want to ultimately be the fourth, fourth type of soil. Right? Where we're producing. When we hear the Word of God, we do the Word of God, and we're producing the Word of God, the will of God on earth. Now, verses 18 and 19 in the Amplified. Matthew 13, verses 18 and 19. He says, Listen then to the meaning of the parable of the sower, while anyone is hearing the word of the kingdom and does not grasp and comprehend it. Now listen to the intention behind Jesus' word. He says, anybody who hears the word of the kingdom, now not man's philosophy or not man's opinion. He said, anybody who's hearing the word of the kingdom. See, the word of the kingdom reveals the heart of the king. The word of the kingdom reveals the mind of the king. The word of the kingdom reveals the intent of the king. The word of the kingdom produces kingdom's results on earth just like it is in heaven. Anybody who's hearing the uncompromised word of God, he says, but they don't grasp it and don't comprehend it. Who determines whether you grasp or whether you comprehend it? We do, right? And he goes on to say, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. That was sown along the roadside. Now, Luke, Luke's account, now if you read Matthew, you read Mark, you read Luke, all of them tell the same story, but the, each of them come from a little bit different perspective. They're wired a little bit different. They, one might say one thing, another might say another thing. So that's why I'm reading from the different accounts so we can kind of get an overall picture of what Jesus is saying. Luke chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. Say, the seed is the Word of God. And he says, those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their heart. Why, why would he do this? Lest they should believe and be saved. Why does the devil want to steal the word of God out of your heart? Because if you believe the word of God, please hear this. If you believe the word of God, 
it releases the ability of God. It says the word of God is the seed. And when the word of God goes into our heart, whatever word you're hearing, if it's on finances, if it's on healing, if it's on family, if it's on destiny, when the word of God is believed by a believer, it releases the ability of God. But if we hear the word and we don't believe it, it does not release the ability of God. The potential of God is in the seed. The life of God is in the seed. The will of God is in the seed. The power of God is in the seed. But it takes action on our part to activate what's inside the seed. So he says, we hear the word of God, but if we don't comprehend it and we don't grasp it, the devil takes it away. Why? Because if he can't stop us from coming into the kingdom of God, then he's going to do everything he can to stop the kingdom of God from manifesting on earth just like it is in heaven. He's going to do everything he can to get you to not believe. Why? Because then you're saved. It says when they hear the word and believe the word, then they're going to walk in salvation. Once again, salvation isn't just going to heaven. It's part of it, but it's not all of it. When they hear the word on health and they believe it, they'll be saved with health. They hear the word on finances, they believe it, they'll increase. They hear the word on whatever victory and they believe it, they're going to walk in victory. Are you with me? So the devil wants to steal the word because the word of God reveals the character and nature of God. 2 Peter 1.4 says the word of God makes us partakers of the divine nature of God. So the word of God releases the life of God on earth just like it is in heaven. So if the devil can't stop us from receiving eternal life, salvation, he's going to do everything he can to stop us from living in eternal life here on earth. So let's keep going. Matthew 13, verse 20. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Now, what happens when joy is present? Strength is present. Now, when we hear something that, that's going to change our life, doesn't it bring joy? When you hear that we, we, when we hear we don't have to stay the way that I am right now, that, man, this is, this is not my best. I'm just getting started. When we hear that we don't have to be sick, when we hear we're redeemed from the curse, when we hear that God wants to restore our life, when we hear that our family can be whole, when we hear that God wants us to increase, when we hear the Word of God, it's supposed to produce joy. And when joy is there, strength is there. Correct? So we're hearing the word. Oh, yes. Man, that is so exciting. That is so good. Man, that is the greatest. Man, that's good preaching. That is good preaching right there. Oh, man, we're so excited. You ever been there? Okay, so let's keep tracking. Verse 21. Now, this is the person who's excited, who's joyful. They're making progress. They're taking territory. There's growth there. Verse 21, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. Now remember, in Hebrews 12, Jesus wants us to endure the whole way, right? In Matthew chapter 13, he said, those who endure to the end shall be saved. He wants us to get to the end. Now here's the person that was excited about the word of God. They thought church was the coolest thing ever. They thought the word of God was the coolest thing ever. They are so excited. Things are changing. Things are happening. Yet... They have no root in themselves, but endure only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they stumble. Why do persecution come? Why does trouble come? Why do tribulation come? To steal the word. It comes on account of the word. God's not trying to teach you something. 
Troubles, trials, persecution comes to steal the word. Because if he can steal the word, he can stop the will of God from manifesting in our life. Who determines whether the devil steals the word in our life or not? We do. So he says they don't have any root in themselves. They endure just for a little while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word in the King James, it says immediately they are offended. Immediately they are offended. Immediately they are offended. Remember, immediately they are offended. So they receive the word. So he says, okay, there's two types of people that he's talking about. He says the first person, they come in here. And they hear the Word of God, but they're thinking about dinner. They hear the Word of God, but they're thinking about work. They hear the Word of God, but they're thinking about their friends. They hear the Word of God, but they're thinking about so something else. He says when they hear it, it stays right on the table, and the devil snatches it so it never produces in their life. That's why Christians, 5, 10, 15 years serving God, are still in the same place they were. Because they come to church on the way to lunch. They come to church on the way to something else. And they're doing their religious duty, but they're hearing, but they're not hearing. But then he goes on, he says, now the next person, they come in, they do it with intent. They set their expectation. I'm going to hear the word of God. And when I hear the word of God, I'm going to do the word of God. And when I do the word of God, and they're excited, he says, but then tribulation comes, persecution comes, problems come. The prayers don't get answered the way you thought they were going to get answered. This happens, that happens. All this stuff is going on. Why? To steal the word. He says, immediately they are offended. Immediately they're running their Race, but then there's something catches their mind. I don't understand why they said that. You're playing with the trip switch. I don't understand why they're doing it that way. You're playing with the trip switch. I don't know why they said that. That hurt my feelings. I'm playing with the trip switch. Offended means to play with the trip switch and the devil's intent is to snap, snatch you. Yesterday, I gave the analogy, you know, I don't know if you ever heard this before, but whenever they catch monkeys in, in Africa... They, they set this little cage up and they sit, stick a coconut inside the cage and all he has to do is reach in there and he gra grabs the coconut. And they come up and they start coming and he, and he wants the coconut. And when he does it, his hand gets a fist like this and it can't get through the bar. Whop! They just got their monkey. And all the monkey had to do to be free, let go of the coconut. Because then he just could have slid his hand right out, went on his way. So that's what, when somebody hurts us and we're holding on to the coconut, I want you to remember, let go of the coconut. Let go, let go of that coconut. You can even use it around your house. Somebody hurts one of your spouses or your friends or something, hey, let go of the coconut. Let go of the coconut. <laughs> it says many opportunity this is Johnson paraphrases it work with me here when he says many offenses will come many will have an opportunity to grab a hold of the coconut and not let go but we got to make a decision am I going to let go of the coconut or am I going to hold on to the coconut this IQ test right right here we're going to let go of the coconut <laughs> Let's keep going. Another definition of offense means to cause to stumble, means you're displeased at a thing, to become indignant, to cause anger, 
or shock at what has been done, to judge unfavorably or unjustly of another, to cause one to distrust or desert one that they ought to trust and obey to no longer believe. So not only does he want your love to grow cold, he wants you to get to the point that you no longer believe in the one who brought you eternal life. When a person starts holding on to a fence, you can track their life. And if they don't let go of the fence, eventually betrayal will set in. Eventually hate will set in. Eventually they will begin to distrust the very one they should trust. Are you with me? So I'm glad I came tonight. Matthew 13, 21. So, so when a person becomes offended, please write this down. It stops the progression of faith. It stops the progression of the word. It stops the manifestation of the word when a person gets offended. Matthew 13, 21. Yet it has no real root in him, but is temporary, inconstant, lasts but a little while. When affliction or trouble or persecution comes on account of the word, at once he is caused to stumble, he is repelled, begins to distrust and desert him who he ought to trust and obey, and he falls away. Mark 4, 17. And the Amplified, it says, and they have no real root in themselves and so endure for a little while. Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately are offended, become displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and fall away. This is how a faith person gets stopped. Because the devil cannot overcome God. The devil cannot overcome the word of God. The devil cannot overcome a believer full of the word of God. So he has to get us offended because offense stops the progression of faith. And we live by faith. We walk by faith. We talk by faith. We please God by faith. We receive by faith. Everything in the kingdom of God is done by faith. So if the devil can stop our faith, he stops us from fulfilling our purpose and destiny upon the earth. How does he stop a believer? Through offense. This is happening by the millions around the world. Matthew 26, go there with me, 30 and 31. Uh, Eli, you can let them know they can turn that right on down if you don't mind. I, I, I know they appreciate us. Matthew 26, verse 30 and 31. Now, now notice this because faith works by love and Jesus is fixing to get in and start explaining some things. He says, and when they had sung a hymn... Just like us, the worship was good. The presence of the Lord was there. They went out to the Mount of Olives and Jesus said to them, you will all be offended and stumble and fall away because of me this night, distrusting and deserting me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So notice what he's saying. Jesus, they, they just got through worshiping. He says, okay, guys, all of you are going to be offended. All of you are going to be offended. And when you're offended, you're going to stumble and fall away, um, distrusting and deserting me. Go down to verse 33. Peter declared to him, though they all are offended and stumble and fall away because of you and distrust and desert you, I will never do so. Jesus said to him solemnly, I declare to you this very night before a single rooster crows, you will deny and disown me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny or disown you. And all the disciples, all the disciples, all the disciples said the same thing. So is it possible for you and I to get offended at Jesus? Is it possible for us to get offended at the word? 
do you think it was the right thing when Jesus told Peter, you're going to be offended for Peter? Now, Peter had some, he had some, some experiences underneath his belt. I mean, he had stepped out of the boat, only guy that walked on water. I mean, he had, he had done some things, right? Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come, and he steps out, and he does it. He was the one that when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And he says, well, you know, they said, well, some say you're Elijah or Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He says, but who do you say that I am? He says, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, well, you didn't get that on your own. The father revealed it to you. And so Peter steps up and says, I don't care what everybody else is saying. I will not deny you. So what would have been a wise response Instead of getting in Jesus' face, and Jesus said, uh, Now listen, Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. No, uh No, I'm not. What would have been a good response? Because Jesus continues the story, and he tells the disciples, Guys, this is what you do. He says, Pray that you don't fall into temptation. What temptation? The temptation to be offended. How do I stay out of offense? Through prayer. It takes practice to release and let go and forgive and not allow things to take root in your heart. It takes practice. Say practice. It takes practice. And so here, Jesus is explaining all this about offense. Let's keep going. Not offense. He didn't have a fencing crew, but, you know, O-F-F. You're with me. <laughs> this, is, this is a good scripture I want you to write down. Psalms 119, verse 165. It says, those who love the law, love the word of God, nothing shall offend them or make them stumble. If we love the word of God, I will not get offended. Now, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. I love the Word of God. How many of you in here love the Word of God? He says, if we love the Word of God, we will not get offended. But how many times do we have the opportunity to get offended? With our spouse? With spiritual leaders? Right? Family members? See, it's easy not to get offended at people way out there. You know, we get stuff all the time. People, you know, bad mouthings. You know, the more you're in the public, the more they take pop shots at you and stuff. And so you did. But when it's people close to you, you can get you can get offended. And what happens when a person allows offense to stay in there? Well, eventually betrayal shows up, shows up. Hate shows up, shows up. I'm just creating a new word. Shows up. It shows up. <laughs> It shows enough, shows up. It shows up. <laughs> and so it's very important, very important that we don't allow offense to settle into our heart. Now, now go with me and think with me as we go over here uh, to John chapter 6. This is where we're going. And remember when Jesus taught in the synagogue and the people would get offended at him? And they thought they were offended at Jesus, but the Father reveals they're not offended at Jesus, they're offended at God. Remember the Israelites when they thought they were offended at Moses, the man of God? But God said, they're not offended at you, Moses, they're offended at me. So I learned years ago that most of the time when people get mad at me for whatever I'm preaching, they're not offended at me necessarily, they're offended at God. You say, well, no, I would never be offended at God. See, if we are offended at people we can see then more than likely we're going to be offended at a God that we can't see. So God wants us to learn how to walk in love with people we do see so we can walk in true love with a God we can't see. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, if you can't receive the one that was sent, you don't receive the one who sent them. 
So if you can't receive the men and women of God that God has put into your life, you're not upset at them. You're not resisting them. You're resisting God. So this is another thing. So whatever you repel, you can't receive. So if a person gets offended at the teaching on healing, they can't receive something they repel. If they get offended at somebody teaching on prosperity or God wanting to provide all their needs, you can't receive something you repel. I've been asked not to come back to churches because I talk about how God is a victorious God and we're called to be overcomers and conquerors. And Would you please not teach that at our church? You can't receive something you repel. I've been asked, do not talk about the blood of Jesus because people get offended. You can't receive the power of something that you repel. So when we were offended at God's word, you can't receive what his word promises. So I've got to make a decision. I love God. I love his word. I love his family. I love God. I love his word. I love his family. And Psalms 119, and if I love the word, I do not get offended. In Psalms 55, David said, it's easy for me to forgive the guys that are out here, but me and you, we walked in the house of God together. Me and you, we worship God together. Me and you, we were intimate with one another. Those are the ones I'm having trouble with, God. See, offense, off-ended, off the process, in the process, offended. When we get offended, it gets us off the process and ends the process. Now, now Jesus, remember, with the, the different types of soul, the soul that receives the word, excited about what God is saying. This is where we're picking up in John 6. Jesus, they'd seen him heal the sick. They'd seen him cast out devils. They'd seen him calm the storm. They'd seen him raise the dead. They'd seen him take the bread and the fish and multiply. The crowds were huge at this time. And they thought Jesus was the coolest thing since sliced bread. Of course, the religious people didn't. They, they ticked them off. But the crowds were huge at this point. And so Jesus is teaching. And then all of a sudden in his teaching, the, the music was good. Remember, they sung a hymn and they went out of the Mount of Olives. And the music was good. The presence of the Lord was there. And then he starts teaching them that I'm, I'm the bread from heaven. And he starts teaching them that if you want eternal life, then you've got to eat of my flesh. And you've got to drink my blood. And so you can imagine the tension that probably quickly went up elevated in the atmosphere. You could probably sense when people, because I can tell when it rubs people the wrong way. I mean, you can, there's a lot of times the Lord will allow me. I mean, I, I can hear some, not all the time, sometimes hear what people are thinking. And so the Lord will have me go different directions to address it and... <laughs> But you can, Jesus is preaching, and this is where we pick it up at. In John chapter 6, verse 60, when his disciples heard this, many, say many, many of them said, this is a hard and difficult and strange saying, an offensive and unbearable message. Who can stand to hear it? Who can be expected to listen to such teaching but Jesus, knowing within himself that his disciples were complaining and protecting and protesting and grumbling about it, said to them, Is this a stumbling block and offense to you? Does this upset and displease and shock and scandalize you? So notice he says, Many of them said, This is a hard and difficult and strange saying. So he starts locating, he starts showing us the progression of offense here. Because remember, the purpose of offense is to stop the word of God. What's the purpose of offense? 
to stop the word of God, to stop God's will from manifesting on earth as it is in heaven. So if we get offended, we're playing with the trip switch here and we hit the latch and whoo, we reach in there and we, we grab the coconut. All we got to do is let go of the coconut. Don't play with the trip switch. Keep running our race. And notice they heard something that stretched them. They heard something that they didn't understand. One of the greatest tests of faith that every one of us have to go through is what do you do when you don't understand? What do you do when you don't understand? This happened, God, I don't understand. What do you do when you don't understand why life hasn't unfolded the way you thought it was going to unfold? Or this thing happened and I don't know why it happened this way. The greatest test of faith is what am I going to do when I don't understand? Jesus even had to deal with this when he was on the cross. My God, my God, why? Why? Have you forsaken me? Job and his friends, all this stuff is happening. Job lost all of his family and everything that he had, and they're, they're talking about it. And why? Why? Why do good things happen to bad people? Why? Why? What do you do when you don't understand? What do you do when tears are running down your face? What do you do when you feel like your life has hit a wall? What do you do when you don't understand? You look right through your tears and you look your eyes up to heaven and you say, God, I might not understand why this is happening, but I know you're good. I know you're faithful. I know your word always works. I know you never leave me nor forsake me. That is what you do when you don't understand. Jesus explains this is the progression of what begins to happen. Many of them said this is a hard and difficult and strange saying, an offense, an unbearable message. Who can stand to hear it? Who can be expected to listen to such te teaching? Questioning. Please hear this. How, how does offense begin to set in? When we're questioning continually the character and nature of God. Questioning why the word didn't work the way I thought it was going to work. Question, I'm not talking about seeking to understand. You're questioning the character and nature of God. Isn't that what Satan did to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? Did God really say you can't eat of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Got her to question the character and nature of God because where there's a question mark, your faith is unplugged. So he wants us to question the character and nature of God. We hear something, he wants us to question, question, question. What's the starting point of offense? Question, question, question. Why, why, why? Question, question. If you're always questioning authority, if you're always questioning this, if you're always questioning the word, that is a sign that there's a deep-rooted piece of offense in there somewhere that you've got to plug out. He goes on to say, number two, complaining and protesting and grumbling about it said to them, is this a stumbling block, an offense to you? So it goes from questioning why did they do this? Why does he do this? Why does the president do this? Why does the leader do this? Why does he do this? Why does the preacher do this? Why, 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 why? Question, question. Then you go to your buddies, complain, complain, grumble, grumble. Complain, complain, grumble. You can't be a complainer and a conqueror at the same time. If you're always complaining, well, I, the, the house this, the car this, my body this, the people this, the president this, right, right. You cannot be a conqueror and a complainer at the same time. So you go from questioning to complaining to grumbling to griping. He says, is this an offense to you? Does this upset and displease and shock and scandalize you? And as he goes through this, he says, then I begin to realize that they're unhooking and they're leaving. Let's go on. Um, I'll, I'll just keep reading this. 
so we can finish this out right here. It says, is this a stumbling block and offense? Does this upset and displease and shock and scandalize you? What then will be your reaction if you should see the Son of Man ascending to the place where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. He is the life giver. The flesh conveys no benefit whatever. There's no profit in it. The words, the truths that I have been speaking to you are spirit and life. But still, some of you failed to believe and trust and have faith. For Jesus knew from the first who did not believe and had no faith, who had betrayed him and be false to him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted, unless he is enabled to do so by the Father. After this, many, say many, many, many of his disciples, many of his disciples drew back returned to their old association. This is what the Amplified says. Drew back and returned to their old associations and no longer accompanied him. And Jesus said to the twelve, will you also go away? So they, they started questioning. They started complaining and griping. They got offended. Then they unhooked. And it says they went back to their old associations. They left Jesus. They never came back and rehooked with Jesus. I've seen it time and time again. People, they come in, they get excited. Praise God, this is the coolest thing ever. They get delivered, they get set free, they get to hearing the Word of God, but then they get to thinking that they know more than they really do, and they get offended at why the preacher does this, or why did God do this, and why did this happen, and God, it's not fair. That statement's a statement of offense. Just so you know. And then persecution arises on account of the word. And a problem happens and things don't work out the way you thought. And immediately they're offended. And notice how it says, and then they fall away. They fall away and they go back to their old associations. And you can't go back and get to your destiny. In order to change our life, we've got to change the way we think. We've got to change our associations. We've got to change what we see, what we hear, the way we talk, the way we live. But when a person gets offended, you'll notice that they connect with other people that are offended. And they get together and they breed more offense. And what's the purpose of offense? To stop the progression of faith. I can't be full of faith and offended at the same time. I can be religious, but I can't be full of faith and offended at the same time. Jesus looks at his disciples because what he was teaching was stretching them. I mean, picture this. I mean, he's talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And he looks at his disciples. He says, are you going to go too? Notice what Peter, how he, how he replies right here. And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to who shall we go? You have the words, the message of eternal life, and we have learned to believe and trust. And more, we have come to know surely that you are the Holy One of God, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil of the evil one and a false accuser? Notice Jesus said, I'm the one that picked the twelve of you. Did you not realize that I knew that one of you got offended? You see the progression in Judas' life. One of you is influenced of the devil. Why? Because he got offended. 
Where do you see this at? They're worshiping. The lady comes up with a deal of perfume, breaks the bottle of perfume on Jesus' feet. What did Judas do? Well, he could have sold that to the poor. Why? Why did she do that? Offended. Then he began to complain, and then he began to gripe, and the next thing you know, he unplugged, and he was with Jesus for three and a third year. God used him to heal the sick. God used him to raise the dead. God used him to cast out devils. But he got offended. It can happen to anybody if we don't, just like Peter, we should, we should call out, God help me. Be merciful to me. Pray that you do not fall into temptation. So how do you avoid getting offended? When the questioning start, starts, you stop the questioning with the Word of God. You go right back to the character and nature of God. Even if I might not understand it, reply like Peter did. I don't understand what's going on, but I know you have the words to eternal life. I might not understand why this is happening or that's happening, but I know you're the answer. I, I might not know why I'm having to go through this long period or this situation, but I know you're good. Stop the questioning immediately because questioning the character of God, the authority of God, the power of God doesn't lead you anywhere healthy. How do I stay free from offense? I eliminate the questioning. I eliminate the griping, the grumbling, the complaining. There's, there's different... We're going to take communion. And sometimes you've got to do this for... A while. I remember I was, I was, these leaders in my life, man, because see, you have different expectations of people. If you don't know them real good, you have little expectations, so there's little room for offense. But if you know them really well and you, you, you respect them and you put them up on this, you, 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 you bless them, you honor them, and they hurt you, there's a lot of room for offense right there. There's leaders, I, I served them for years and years, and, and, and boy, I had an opportunity to get offended, and I was saying, I love the truth, and I do not get offended. But for over a year, every month, the Lord would still have me send them financial gifts because my heart, where your treasure is, there's your heart also. Because I was having an opportunity to get offended, and I don't even know how many times I could, took communion, drawing on the love of God, drawing on the power of God, forgiving them out of, your, out of my mouth. Very good, very healthy exercise. Jesus tells us to pray for our enemies. How do we pray for our enemies? Not, God, get them. Take them out. Uh, you know, there's that, what's that, that country song, you know, I hope they, their car blows up. And I, you know, don't act so holy. I know you've wanted to pray some of those prayers before. Start praying for them the way you want God to show up for you. And at first, it's hard. At first, every, it takes every ounce. Bless them. But then the more you stay in it, Father, I ask you to reveal to them your heart and your plan and your will for their life. And I ask you to surround them with your favor. And Father, I ask you to be merciful to them the same way you've been merciful to me, the same way you've forgiven me. I ask you to help me forgive them. I release them. I let them go. I forgive them. I will not get offended. I love the truth and I will not get offended at my boss. I will not get offended at my spouse. I will not get offended at people. I will not get offended. I love the truth and I will not get offended. Say, I will not get offended. The purpose of offense is to stop the progression of faith. We don't have to live with offense in our life. I know as I was talking, this person came up in your imagination. This person came up in your heart. 
this situation. Well, you don't understand. No, 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 no. Most of the time that comment means that you really don't understand what Jesus did for you. Because when we remember how much Jesus has forgiven us and how much He has released us from, and that same ability is in us to release others, once again, it takes faith. It takes consistency. Key of success in anything is consistency. God, help me. Help me. So, so I'd like us to... You see your communion elements. I'd like us just to take, take a moment. And I, I want to read over here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And there's so much power in communion. Communion isn't about religion. It's not a religious thing. Now, don't get it on you, because I know sometimes that top, it'll, you've got to be delicate whenever you're peeling the, peeling the little the bread off there. That communion is about relationship. It's not about religion. Okay, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it tells us the importance of examining ourselves. Everybody got their juice and bread ready? I can tell some of you are concentrating now. <laughs> yeah, you peel it away, can't catch you up, huh? You don't want to get it on you. All right, now, now listen, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, this is Paul, he's speaking to the church at Corinth. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink, do it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now, and then he goes on and he talks about examining yourself and not taking the elements unworthily. Now, in Exodus chapter 12, right before God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt... He says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to put blood over the post of your door so whenever the death angel comes, it's going to pass right by. But then I want you to take a lamb and I want you to consume all of the lamb. He didn't say, I want you to just take a thigh or take a leg or take an ear. He said, I want you to consume all of the lamb. A type and shadow of whenever we take communion that we receive all that Jesus died to give us. We take all of the lamb. Now, a very interesting part of this, when he, he showed them, and when I, eat, I want you to eat all of the lamb, I want you to do it with your sandals on your feet, and I want you to do it with a staff in your hand, expecting that what I promised you is fixing to come to pass because he was fixing to take them from Egypt to the promised land. He says, but you've got to expect me to show up when you take communion. Over two million people, and the Bible says he led them out of there with not one sick not one feeble one among them. Think 430 years they'd been in slavery. You know they had been beaten. You know they had had their bones broke. You know they had had their feet disjointed. You know they had been abused. They were hunched over. You know they were sick. They were malnutrition. But once they took communion, it said not one millions of people at one time. Not one sick, not one feeble, not one broke one among them because of the power of communion. And whenever he says, don't, don't just play with this. Don't be religious with this. So when we take his bread, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, when he hung up on the cross, so, so whether it's whatever, whatever 
situation you're dealing with. Just, just see the curse, period. Whenever he hung upon the cross, it says he took sin for us that we might be made righteous with his righteousness. So he took sin and everything that's connected to sin. He took the curse. He took sickness. He took disease. 39 stripes on his back representing the root 39 causes of every disease in the world. He took it. You've got to see that sore throat going on his body. You've got to see that stomach ache going on his body. You've got to see cancer going on his body. You've got to see that tumor going on his body. He took everything from us and released everything that he had to us. So when we take what we're saying, I'm taking the power you released in your broken body. I'm giving everything I have to you and I'm taking everything that you've given me. I'm drawing upon your strength. I'm drawing upon your wisdom. I'm drawing upon your love. I'm drawing upon the wealth, the health, the strength, the courage, everything that God is. God, I am partaking of you. So when Jesus was saying, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood... And they didn't understand. He was saying he didn't go after them. But when Peter replied, I'm not going anywhere. Why did he say that? Because he knew if he hung around long enough that he would understand what Jesus was talking about. You might not, not understand what you're going through or why you're going through it. But there's times there's been times the Lord's had me take communion for consecutive days for weeks at a time. Why? Drawing on his strength to get through the situation I was dealing with. And then whenever we take his blood, see, it is his blood that cleanses us. It is his blood that allows us to approach him boldly and confidently. It is blood, his blood, that is shed on the mercy seat that, that shouts out to God, they're forgiven, they're healed, they're cleansed, they're delivered, they belong in your presence. So when you take of his body and you take of his blood, I want you to, to remember, remember the blood when they shoved the crown down on his head and the blood ran down his brow? What was it saying? That when he shed his blood, that you and I, our mind is cleansed by the power of the blood. We're not supposed to think defeated. We're not supposed to think broke. We're not supposed to think like a, a cursed person. The blood of Jesus cleanses the way we think. When that blood shed out of his hands, that everything we put our hands to, it prospers. It succeeds. It overcomes that his blood covers everything that we do. The blood that was shed out of his feet, that everywhere we walk, we are covered by the blood. Everywhere that we walk, we are directed by his spirit. Every place our feet touches, we walk in dominion and authority. The power of the blood, the power of his body is life changing. He says, but when you eat of the lamb, have your sandals on your feet. When you eat of the lamb, you have your rod. That when you get up from this, things are going to be different. My heart's going to be different. My mind's going to be different. My business dealings are going to be different. Where I go is going to be different. I'm taking all that you have, and I'm going to be the person that you called and created me to be. So when we take of this, and as we were, we were talking about offense, who, who was... Don't, don't raise your hand here. I just want you to think. Who was that person? Who were those people? Who was that situation? What was the situation that came up in your heart? That you need to release and let it go. Practice that. Say, I release it. I let it go. I let go of the coconut. <laughs> Father, I just pray over each and every individual right now. And I speak to every hurt and every 
feeling of abandonment, every feeling of betrayal, every feeling of scandals, every feeling of hurt. In everyone's heart here, Father, the the people, we, we release them to you right now. We let them go right now. We let that situation go right now. We bless them right now. And Father, we know we can't do this on our own. That we need your strength and we need your help. And Father, I uproot every, every seed of offense. I uproot every seed of bitterness. I uproot every, every question mark. I uproot every bit of doubt. I uproot every bit of unbelief in the name of Jesus. And Father, we draw upon you tonight. We draw upon your love that is shed abroad in our heart by you. We draw upon your goodness tonight and your mercy tonight. In the same way that you've forgiven us, Father, we forgive them. The same way your blood cleansed us, Father, we pray that they experience the same cleansing. But Father, we draw upon your help and just like Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Let's take Take of the bread. And Father, your word says in Isaiah 45 to put you in remembrance of your word. And Father, right now, I remind you what your your son's blood did for our lives. That your blood completely sets us free from the power of darkness. Your blood completely washes away our past. Your blood completely cleanses our heart and our mind and our hands and our feet and our heart. Father, I ask, Holy Spirit, I ask you to flood the inner inner world of our hearts that there's no, the hurting areas are healed in Jesus' name. Father, I ask you to touch physical bodies right now in Jesus' name. Father, I ask that finances are are resurrected in Jesus' name, that finances are restored in Jesus' name, that families are mended in Jesus' name. And Father, we just seal the promises between you and us with your blood. And Father, you said when we do this, we do it in remembrance of you. We Jesus, we do this in remembrance of your blood. We do it in the remembrance of your faithfulness, of your goodness, of your mercy. Now take drink of the juice. Now Father, we just thank you. And we bless you and we honor you. We honor you. Go ahead and just stand to your feet right where you're at. Father, we just honor you. And we bless you and we draw upon your love. We draw upon your ability. We draw upon your strength. We draw upon your goodness. Father, we continually see every bit of the curse in our life going upon you, Jesus. And we receive all that you died to give us. All the freedom, all the strength, all the power, all the glory, all the victory, all the wisdom. Everything we need that pertains to life and godliness. And we just worship you and we thank you, Father, that we are forgiven and thank you for the ability to forgive. Father, we thank you that you're merciful to us and we have the ability to be merciful to people. Father, we thank you for your grace that is sufficient in our life and we have the ability to be gracious to other people. 
Now, Father, we love you and we bless you. And we come to you with a clean heart, Father, a pure heart. Pure heart. Pure heart. Father, I just ask that every heart in this place is, is lighter right now, is healed right now, is open right now to come after you.